Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of the About to Review podcast, here to amplify diverse voices in media. I'm your host, as always, that guy named John. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on your podcast platform of choice, wherever you're listening to it right now. Do those steps. Uh, it is on Apple Podcasts and all of the other things. You can also stream the episodes directly from the website abouttoreview.com, which is where you will find full show notes and links to the movies that are discussed. Follow the podcast on social media at About to Review on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And yeah, I think that is all of the things right up top. Uh, this week's episode is actually going to be a little bit shorter. Uh, the next couple weeks, I'm going to be traveling and doing a lot of things, so I'm going to be missing, unfortunately, a lot of kind of those remaining summer blockbusters. So this episode just has one review, and it is for David Lowry's new film, The Green Knight, which is in theaters this Friday. I think they are also doing a streaming thing, but since it is A24, I'm not sure which streaming service it is actually going to be on, if any. But regardless, it will be in theaters this Friday. So uh, yeah, that will be the one review on this week's episode. Before we get into that, we'll go to the original theme song created by Damien Randall of Ill-Mannered Media. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. As I just mentioned, uh, The Green Knight, the new film by David Lowry. Now, David Lowry directed, he wrote this, and I think he actually edited parts of it. I saw one uh, blurb that says he was an editor, but on IMDb, he is not listed as an editor, so I'm not quite sure. But regardless, this is David Lowry's The Green Knight, and I actually got to interview David Lowry years ago. It was like 2017 when he was in town uh, promoting a ghost story, so I will actually put that link uh, in the description uh, as well, so you can check that out. And the story is basically a version or a retelling of the 14th century chivalric story about King Arthur's nephew and the quest that he goes on. There were actually multiple Green Knight stories done back then, but most people do not know even about this one, so it is fine. And we will not need to talk about those other ones because they do not really matter in this context. Now, before I go into kind of the the story itself and the actors and, and everything that went into this, I have to right at the top because it is so, so important. I have to give some 2022 Oscar predictions for this film before I go into anything else because... Wow. Okay, so my first one. So Andrew Droz Palermo, who is the cinematographer who has been working with David Lowry since A Ghost Story, which was a few years ago. 
his cinematography is going to be nominated for an Oscar because this film is gorgeous and not just gorgeous in the sense of kind of standard set pieces, which of course those are amazing also. So definitely props to the art department who was able to put those together and the set designers. But when it comes to the cinematography, the use of natural lighting, the use of those as framing devices and traveling scenes. And when I say that, there are so many scenes in this film where you will see Dev Patel or others, but usually Dev Patel, on his horse kind of just going basically towards the camera for long periods of time. That in and of itself, with the structure and with the background and lighting, nothing else is really happening in some of those scenes. He purely focuses on that. So cinematography absolutely is going to get an Oscar nomination. Uh, yes, I said is going to. Not might. It is going to. Will it win? Oh, who knows? We, have, we still have a lot of the year to go. But the next person I want to talk about along those lines, and I really hope that I do not butcher this name, but I very well might. Her name is Malgosia Terzanska. Uh, she has also been working with David Lowry for a long time with Ain't Them Body Saints and other things. So she did the costume design for this film. It is almost, it does not even need to be said that if you do a great period piece, chances are you might get nominated. But this goes beyond that. The costume design in this film tells a story in and of itself. And not just one particular sash, you know, that comes into play later as it ties into the actual poem or the story of Sir Gawain and the Green Knight. But just the costuming in general. The multiple layers of this is mind-blowing. It is so, so good. And both of those things combined tell the story sometimes, not necessarily, not necessarily better than the script of the movie itself, but on par with the things that are being said. Those two aspects, the cinematography and the costume design, propel the story forward in amazing ways and tangentially Along with that, Daniel Hart did the music. Who, Daniel, the, here's the thing also. Uh, David Lowry really likes working with the same people, which is great. If you find a team that works and you work well together, keep using them. So Daniel Hart did the music for this. He has done Pete's Dragon and A Ghost Story and Ain't Them Body Saints and Old Man of the Gun. Pretty much everything David Lowry has done on a larger scale Daniel Hart has done the music for, or at least parts of the music for. And that is a phenomenal combination. So the combination of these four people, David Lowry, Andrew Droz Palermo, oh, Malgosia Terzanska, and Daniel Hart. Those four are the background of this entire film. So yes, I will get into the acting and the story, but I had to talk about those four people behind the camera and during this process because I was just so, so impressed with everything all four of them did in various ways. And again, my my picks for Oscars, Andrew Droz Palermo and Malgosia, Mal, Malgosia Terzanska. I hope that she gets nominated for more stuff so I can actually hear how her name is pronounced. 
So, okay. So that was basically me gushing over the technical aspects of this. Um, now, onto the movie itself. So Dev Patel plays Gawain. And in the film, sometimes it is pronounced Gawain, sometimes it is pronounced Garwin, which could be just an accent thing. When you are adapting these things from Middle English, anyone who has looked at Chaucer, whether it was in high school or college or never, and you just look at kind of Old English or Middle English in this case, the pronunciations can get pretty wild. So we hear him as you know, Gawain, we hear him as Garwin, regardless, Dev Patel plays our titular hero. And this is along the same lines as a lot of the Arthurian quests in the sense of you have the trials of temptation of games, which are really common in those stories, as well as chivalric morality and the denial of one's destiny. Those are just intermixed beautifully in this film so often in these types of stories our main character you know is this bravado this boastful character who is the best and can do everything one of the things i really appreciated with dev patel's portrayal of gawain that was not the case yes he has all this bravado he is a knight of king arthur's court King Arthur, of course, being played by Sean Harris and Guinevere Kate Dickey. So he is a knight of King Arthur's court. He is part of it. And when I see King Arthur's court, he is not necessarily at the table with them, at the round table. He is still kind of viewing them, but he is still part of the court. He has the bravado of a knight of that, we will say, legacy. But his struggles to back that up throughout this film were something that really endeared me to that character. A lot of times in movies like this, when we have that hero, they're the best swordsman, they're the best lover, they're the best knight, they're the best horseman, everything, they are the best. That is not the case here, and I loved that aspect. So often... We see him in situations, we see Gawain in situations where you're like, okay, I really feel like a knight of King Arthur's court would be able to hand him, handle himself in this situation, but he does not, but it makes sense contextually within the movie. So that is kind of Gawain, and we see this quest where the green knight enters the court and puts forth this challenge, this game of if somebody, he basically he walks in saying, nobody here can defeat me. I know that, you know that, if we get into a fight, I am murdering everybody. So instead, here is a game. I will let someone give me one cut, and in a year's time, that cut, I will deliver to them. Now, going again, going back to that Arthurian mythology, these types of things happen pretty often where there are games and challenges where the character has the option to be like, Okay, let me just give you a, a scratch on your hand or something simple. But, of course, being the bravado and machismo that these characters are, they usually go for something more intense, which is what happens here. And that is what kind of instigates this whole quest. As part of this quest, we see Alicia Vikander in dual roles, actually. We see her in the beginning 
as one role and kind of in the third act, second and third act as someone else. And she is mesmerizing. She is just effortless in her chemistry with not only Dev Patel, but just with the surroundings. Like every time she is on screen in these scenes, she is captivating. So to see her and Dev Patel work together and have this chemistry together in both roles was really interesting and in very different ways. I cannot really go into too much as far as what her second role is and kind of the trials that are part of that. But regardless, when the two of them are together, it just makes sense. Like they are just so good together. There is one scene in particular in the second act where Gawain sees the lady, which is the double role that she plays, and his wide-eyed kind of wonderment and confusion and bewilderment, along with this like passion, they share this moment and no words are said. And that moment, it was just one of the many that just really, really solidified their chemistry uh, to me. The rest of the supporting cast in this is also very good. Uh, Dev Patel, or Gawain's mom, is played by Sarita uh, Chaudhary. They take a very interesting twist to, to that character, to his mother's character, and incorporate some of the things that we see in the poem and in the stories, but use it in a different way. And they make it in a very real kind of grounded way. And that was something else that I also really liked about this film. I love Arthurian legend. Uh, everything from like Sword in the Stone to Monty Python's Holy Grail, you know, Sword of the Valiant, all of those kind of pseudo cheesy versions of Arthurian legend. Or the terrible BBC show Merlin, which I watched every episode of, even though it was real rough. But I love these stories. Or rather, I love the depictions of these stories. Some of the actual stories, if you read them, yikes. They are very, very problematic, especially looking at them through a modern lens a lot of the time. But in film and in media, I generally like these stories. But what they always tend to do is they either take the fantasy up way too much, or they take the heroism up way too much, or they just kind of push things away without kind of getting to the crux of the story. This film does not do that. And when I say that, I mean this is a grounded film in this world of myth and magic, which is really tough to do. You know, when you have things like, again, Monty Python, for example, hilarious. And you see the Knights of the, the Round Table and Camelot, and as he is building all of these things, they accept the myth and magic around them. But of course, it has ramped up to 50. You know, similarly, in other portrayals, uh, unfortunately, one of the things that gets, you know, kind of put around Gawain is, is also like Sword of the Valiant, which is a super cheesy movie with Sean Connery. The reason that He-Man looks the way he does is because of Sword of the Valiant. I mean, it, same haircut, same dude. Yeah, and it is just really rough. But that one, super cheesy. It has all these bad special effects. With this version, the Green Knight, this is 
grounded. So yes, there is myth, there is magic, there is wonderment, but it is accepted in a world where it makes sense. And I know that that, I mean, maybe I'm not describing that as eloquently as I should, but when everyone is sitting at this the table and in the court and this green knight comes in who is made essentially of trees and everything, you see people, yes, they get worried because they are not sure what it is, but they're not like, oh my gosh, a giant monster. They're just like, okay, we accept that there are things in this world we cannot understand. How do we move forward? How do we just kind of keep this? So that was great. I really, really appreciated that aspect of this. One aspect that I think is going to be difficult for some people is some of the dialogue. And when I say that, the accents that are used, whether it is the way they're delivered or the accents or possibly some of the extra things they do to boost the voices, I think that is going to be difficult for some people. The very beginning of this film, it starts with this monologue, which is beautiful, but you had to kind of really pay attention to see what they were saying and then kind of put it together in context. So that I think might be a little bit of a struggle. And there is some words. There are some words up on screen at various times of the film in a very middle English style font. And that sometimes is hard to read. You know, when you think about, you know, old English poems and movies and you see that kind of blocky yet very fancy script, that is what this utilizes quite a bit. And sometimes you have to look at the word a couple different ways to be like, okay, this, this is what that is. Uh, in my regular viewing of TV and movie, if I have the option for closed captioning, I always put on closed captioning. It helps me contextualize things. It helps me look at things with my kind of learning disabilities and everything. I like to be able to have something on screen where I can just kind of double up, where even if I hear them, I can just read what they say. This movie, I think, would really benefit with that, and I'm looking forward to watching it on streaming with the closed captioning just to make sure I can follow everything exactly. So I think that might be something, again, some folks might struggle with, and that is okay. That is totally okay and acceptable. Uh, the other thing along those lines kind of, along those period piece lines, certain performers belong in period pieces. Certain actors and actresses, they just fit. Uh, Kate Dickey, who plays the queen, or most likely Queen Guinevere, they never call her that, but Queen Guinevere, she was also Lysa Aaron in Game of Thrones. She belongs in period pieces. Like, her look, her tone, everything about it just fits and blends. One thing that I also really liked that fit, fit and blended, that sounds weird, uh, fitted and blended, was the, I think he is listed as um, the magician in this, which, again, this is Arthurian, that would be Merlin. I liked the context of that character. You see this older man who has tattoos on his face, kind of like these runic tattoos, and he is not the... Blue wizard with a big pointed hat and all of these things like we would see in Sword in the Stone and, and other depictions. And again, it goes back to that grounded in reality world of myth and magic. 
Uh, there is a lot to this movie. <laughs> and by that, I mean this is just a very meditative, humanistic approach to the to this world, to this mythological world, the likes of which we have not really seen before. We know a lot of the Arthurian legends and stuff as far as Sword in the Stone. And we, we know that the, the Black Knight, you know, that we've seen Monty Python hilariously, which is funny because in that scene, when we first see the Black Knight and Monty Python, the first person he kills is the Green Knight um, or a version of the Green Knight, which is kind of funny. But again, this is a version that we've not really seen before. And I am 100% on board with this. If we were to get more Arthurian stories or kind of these Middle English stories done in this style of the accepted myth and magic in a fantastical world, but not in a hyper fantastical world, I love it. Uh, I, I love that style. Um, I will say also, I think the casual moviegoer, the people who only see you know, a dozen movies a year or, or less who are viewing, who are going into this movie thinking, great, this is going to be an action adventure with Dev Patel and knights and all of these things. Oof, you are going to be in for a rough time because again, this is a very ambitious and yet meditative take on this whole genre. So there is a lot of this movie where not a lot is happening as far as not a lot of dialogue or action. In fact, I think I counted the sword strokes in this movie. And if you can count them, that means there are not that many. Uh, so, yeah. So, I think folks going into it with that mindset might be a little bit disappointed. But we'll see. I mean, we really will see. This is one of the movies where I think the audience score versus the critic score is going to be vastly different. Which is also totally okay. People like different things. That is fine. Uh, but for me... I thoroughly enjoyed this movie. Again, I love the world they built. I love those technical aspects that I talked about right at the beginning. Dev Patel is phenomenal in this. I mean, he just, he doubts himself. He doubts his abilities and everything around him. And his bravado is just unfounded. But it all makes sense. You know, he is not just the best at everything. And he plays that so well. There are just so many moments where, where you are just watching him being like, this guy is really good. And you lose Dev Patel and you're just watching this story. And that is the goal of any movie like this. So uh, my official rating, or rather the official rating system for the podcast. There are no stars. There are no letter grades. The letter. the <laughs> Wow. Yeah, this is what happens when I take a couple weeks off. The official ratings for this podcast, there are three choices, good, bad, or ugly, good film is something you recommend, bad is something you were just kind of meh about, ugly, avoid at all costs. To me, The Green Knight by David Lowry is an absolute good. This is a beautiful film. It is beautifully shot. It is beautifully lit. It is beautifully acted. The score is amazing. There was only one part of the score that I did not like where he, Daniel, uh, or David, Daniel Hart, did not use traditional instruments and instead used a guitar. And that just kind of jarred me for a little bit. I got over it. <laughs> it, was, it was one moment. So in general, I super enjoyed this film. So it gets a good from me. Uh, that is a wrap 
on this week's episode. Again, the next couple weeks, I'm going to be doing some traveling. So once I get back, I will probably do an episode where I'm catching up on some of the movies that have already come out. So I apologize that you will probably see them before I will. And then by the time my episode comes out, who knows if you will listen and hear my opinion. But regardless, that is my plan for the next couple weeks. As always, thank you so much for listening. If you have any questions or comments, definitely hit me up on social media at About Treeview on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can also email me directly, abouttreeview at gmail.com. And abouttreeview.com has links to the movie that I just discussed and talked about. So for this week's episode, thank you again so much for listening. I have been your host, that guy named John, and we will see you next time. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat.